minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. and the A.M. Except Saturday with two new beginnings here on a J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning era of Shabbos. Micha Gammerman before that with Tiskabel. You heard David Gabe with Tam Shich. The Torah Tziva selection from the Shira Hadasha Boys Choir. Ari Goldwag's Take Me Home. Ain O done by Aspaklaria. David Lowy who joined us yesterday on the air had Tamim Sheyetov. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning, 6.43 in the morning, 17 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning, welcome, thanks for tuning in to JM in the AM on this Friday Erev Shabbos. It's the, uh, it's the 23rd of September, the 20th of Elul, it's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisavo, with candle lighting time at 6.31, 6.31, your official candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos. Uh, Slichas tomorrow night for the Ashkenazi community, Svartim already are saying Slichas. Uh, we have Slichas starting uh, late tomorrow night, early Sunday morning, going until uh, Erev Yom Kippur, of course. Well, I guess actually you should say going through Yom Kippur, right? And um, as we get closer and closer to the brand new year, we uh, continue to wish everybody a happy, healthy, and sweet new year of 5777. We are 10 days away. 67 degrees outside with sunshine and a high temperature of 88. Tonight, partly cloudy, a low 63. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature of 74. Yerushalayim is at 75. We're at 67 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Mazal Tov to Team Israel. Israel beat Great Britain 5-2 to two last night. It was great being there. So a lot of amazing JM and the AM listeners, and I thank you. A lot of buzz around the uh, future of the Nahum Siegel Network, etc. from a lot of people who came over, and I greatly appreciate that. Israel, a 5-2 to two victory. Ike Davis, a pinch-hit RBI single. A lot of other uh, players did really well. And now, if Israel wins the game today against Brazil, which happens at noon, and then they win the championship game 6 o'clock Sunday night, then they travel to South Korea in March to compete against Korea. That's how it works. All right, so Israel has to win two more games today and Sunday night, and then they go to Korea in March for the next step in the World Cup, or I should say World Baseball Classic uh, qualifier. All right? That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I didn't know how it works until I saw this article either, <laughs> because uh, it was one confusing thing among a lot of people last night, exactly how it's working with uh, Israel and their advancing in the um, in the uh, World Baseball Classic. 
the Prime Minister of Israel spoke yesterday. It'll be one of the things we speak with Malcolm Honline about. He is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll talk about the weekly update coming up uh, here at uh, JM and the AM. Uh, about an hour from now, we'll be on the air talking about that. And uh, plenty more here on a Friday morning broadcast as we continue. I thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Benjamin Siegel is scheduled to sit in on Monday here at JM in the AM. I'll be out a couple of days, and uh, he is scheduled to be here Monday. So I look forward to I look forward to it. I hope you're looking forward to it as well. And I want to thank Matis. He's going to be sitting in as well during the time I am away, and uh, the uh, amazing JMAM staff will be taking over for a couple of days, so I thank them. Uh, amazing programming today, all day long, at jmam.org and on the NSN app. Uh, you can comment on the NSN app at any time during our programming, including right now. We'll see. Anybody out there wants to... Oh, Listener Moshe has already commented. I thank him. Anybody else who wants to comment, go right ahead on the NSN app. And, oh, and the, yeah, the registered users of the app has gone up uh, <laughs> tremendously over the last couple of days since we made the big announcement of our move to NSN coming up. Um, so that's the, uh, that's a story with that. And, um, we have great programming all day long on the stream at jmtheam.org and, of course, all weekend long as well. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with 8 Ton Cats.
Chazanyanki Lemmer, It Is Shabbos is the name of that selection. Shabbos Kodesh. Uh, before that, the rabbi's sons, Eitan Katz had Lachad Odi. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JMNAM, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. You can comment on the NSN app at any time. 40 minutes away from Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us for the weekly update. Candle lighting at 631 on this era of Shabbos. 631 is candle lighting time. Slichas for the Ashkenazi community begins tomorrow night, early Sunday morning. Keep that in mind. Galitzal in the background. News from Israel is next. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast. Coming up now, right here, Boker Tov at JM in the AM. Galeitzahal Hashash Taim, Kanehut Graf, in Mashikoreachshav. Sukal Pigua de Kira, Samuch Lekiriat Arba. Koach Zahal Patach Batsohoraim Beesh, Leveraglav Shelnar Falastini Benarba Esre, Shigia Hamush Besakin Letzomet Elias, Keholanira de Matara Lidkores Rahim. Einifgaim Israelim, Umatsabosela Mechabel Mugdarkaet Benoniat Kashe. השר נפתלי בנט מאשים את הליכוד וראש הממשלה נתניהו בהתנהלות כושלת ונרפת כלשונו שהביאה למשבר סביב פינוי עמונה. כתבנו אינבל תמיר. בהודעת וואטסאפ לפעילים כתב בנט, נתניהו וממשלתו ב-2011 החליטו להרוס בנייה יהודית שנעשתה בתום לב. כעת בדקה ה-90 הליכודניקים שחתומים על ההחלטה להרוס פתאום התעוררו. מה הם עושים? כתב בנט, חותמים על עצומות, יוצאים מאוד ימניים במרכאות, למרות שלא מעט מהם, כולל ראש הממשלה, הצביעו בעד ההתנתקות. עם כניסתנו לממשלה, הוא כתב, ירשנו את המצב אשר הובא עלינו בגלל התנהלות כושלת ונרפית של הליכוד, ואנחנו נחושים לפתור את הפלונטר. 
שרת התרבות מירי רגב אומרת כי לא תכבד תרבות שנלחמת נגדה. בפוסט שפרסמה היום בפייסבוק בעקבות המהומה בטקס פרסי אופיר אמש, כתבה רגב. אין מי שמחויב יותר ממני לקידום קולות מודרים ומושתקים במדינת ישראל. אבל דווקא מתומך המחויבות הזו אני שבה ואומרת, לא נממן ולא נכבד תרבות שנלחמת נגדנו. חוסר הסובלנות שהתגלה כלפיי בטקס הוא קצה הקרחון של חוסר הסובלנות התמידי של מי שרוממות קבלת האחר בגרונם. מוקדם יותר היום התעמתה שרת התרבות גם עם יושב ראש האופוזיציה הרצוג, כפי שמדווח כתבנו מיכאל שמש. הרצוג כתב בטוויטר, מירי רגב מחזירה לא רק את הקולנוע הישראלי לעידן השחור לבן, עדיף שתעשה עוד צעד לאחור לסרט האילן. רגב השיבה לו בוז'י לצערי דרוויש הפך אצלכם למשורר לאומי, בשבילי הוא מנהיג תעשיית השקר הפלסטיני. הרצוג כתב לה לצערי הצל הפך אצלך לשמש הלאומית, בשבילי שניכם מנהיגי תעשיית השסע הישראלית. ויושב ראש הרשימה המשותפת איימן עודה אמר בצהריים בתגובה לסערה בטקס שרת התרבות שהפכה לסמל לחוסר סובלנות והדרה של כל מי שלא מתיישר עם דעתה מתלוננת ומתממת על היחס שהיא מקבלת מקהל יוצרי ויוצרות הקולנוע אחרי שביזתה את אומנותם במטרה לקושש עוד כמה קולות בפריימריז גופת גבר נפלטה בצהריים אל החוף בקריית ים. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שנסיבות המקרה אינן ברורות והמשטרה פתחה בחקירה. מכבי האש חילצו בצהריים ילדה בת ארבעה שראשה נלכד בין סורגי מתקן משחקים בגן ילדים בבית שמש. כתבנו אריאל זיגלר. צוותי חילוץ והצלה שהגיעו למקום מצאו את הילדה כשראשה תקוע בין סורגים במתקן בחצר הגן. הם פעלו להרחבת הסורגים על מנת לחלץ את ראשה והיא הוצאה ללא פגע. לאחר שעברה מספר בדיקות שהראו שמצבה תקין, היא נמסרה לידי צוות הגן ולידי הוריה. מזג האוויר בשבת ובראשון עלייה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר. בצוות שילה פריד ויואב כהן. Give me how many friends will you give me how many you hold on to last note? Can you imagine? Can you visualize? Can you think about? About 2,400 years ago, somewhere on a street corner, in the holy city, Yerushalayim. And maybe, maybe, maybe It was on Matsohe Shabbos Yishayon You know, sweetest friends, let me tell you, according to our tradition, everybody knows that they have Torah, the portion of the prophet we read, after a certain portion of the Torah, that means that the prophet prophesied this on that Mosoi Shabbos, 
of the portion of that we hear. Without getting involved in the depths of it right now. The Shabbos was Hanan. 2,400 to 500 years ago, Yishaya Novi, listen to the Pasha was Hanan. And he came down to the streets and he prophesied and he said, Nachamu, Nachamu, The one, the only, of Shlomo Kalbach. love speaking with Jonathan Greenstein. He is with us live via telephone on this coming Tuesday, September the 27th. The Cedarhurst Gallery of J. Greenstein and Company uh, has a magnificent Judaica uh, auction. This coming Tuesday, starting at 545, 10 items from the home of Reb Shlomo and Rebetzin Neila Kalbach 
um, are going to be uh, up for auction at the Cedarhurst Gallery. Neshama Kalbach will be at the gallery starting at 345 to speak about her father and mother and the items that are for sale. People can take photos with her and with the items. It all happens at 417 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst this coming Tuesday. If I was in town this Tuesday, I would certainly consider being there. Jonathan Greenstein, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Brother Nachum. How are you this fine morning? You know, it's funny. You always call me brother or holy brother, but in this conversation, it's really appropriate. <laughs> oh, for sure. No question about it. Yeah. Uh, it's um, a tremendous event for us, even though it's only ten items that belong to Rev Shlomo and another six or seven original photographs that were done for press. To me, this is my most important auction that I've done in the twenty-year history. Now, now, am I am I right? And and you have to explain the value as I as I explain the uh, you know the items. A- am I right that the personalized uh, items, the ones that you know have Shlomo Neila's name on it, for instance, their challah cover uh, or their um, what did I see? Oh, the, obviously the photos, the photos themselves of Shlomo Kabbalah. Some of them are, are spectacular, by the way. Um, uh, those would be. I don't know, not just valuable, but they would ha- they would actually have an additional element of sentimentality. Yeah, that, that's correct. Even though all of the items are guaranteed to come from Shlomo and Neil's house, you know, um, the, once you have a personalized inscription, and this goes for anything in Judaica. I mean, you can get a Kiddush cup that, let's say, uh, belonged to, you know, um, for instance, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Right. Unless there's an inscription on it, you know, it's, you know, as the years progress, stories change, it's kind of hard to say that it really was. Right. That's the one benefit that we have with Neshama and Neila being photographed with these items, that they'll be guaranteed for life, that, they, you know, these are really Shlomo's personal Judaica. But when you have an additional inscription, like on the Chalakava or on the wine bottle, uh, that triples, quadruples the value. Unbelievable. Um, so, for instance, their silver challah knife is up for auction. Yep. The Mai Machronim, up for auction. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, His little personal candlesticks that he would take with him when he would travel to do shows are also up for auction. The candlesticks that his mother uh, used for years until he gave them to Shlomo and Neila, um, the silver candlesticks that were made you know, on the other side, back in Germany, yeah, and she brought him to America. Will be auctioned off also. Um, uh, the, um, Shlomo's mother gave it to Shlomo when they got married. Oh, Shlomo now, Neela. yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but now I understand. That now I understand the wine bottle. I'm looking at it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, this wine bottle was actually engraved, as you said, with a dedication and inscription to the two of them, to Shlomo Neila. Do we know who Bela Spitzer is? Not familiar. It's but much formal history that I've studied. In a, in but like that, a but that is the person that that did it for them, right? That gave it to them. That's correct. That's correct. You know, wow. and, uh, according to Neila, many of these items were gifts during Sheva Brachas, right. you know, wedding gifts. Challah knife, my machronim. I just mentioned the sterling. Now I understand why the sterling silver wine bottle is at the estimate that it's at because it yeah. has their names engraved yeah, exactly. on it. Uh, the four silver Kiddush beakers, the, the you know tiny Kiddush cups, the traveling Shabbos candles. These are traveling Shabbos candles that his family actually used. Yep, that Shlomo actually used. You know, um, he Shlomo himself. And, you know, Neil would accompany him when he traveled around, and you know, um, uh, can you imagine finishing Shalshudas after seeing Shlomo Zemiris and using his Mayim Achronim oh, you know, to, 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 end, uh, to end the meal? That is so cool. Can you think of anything more holy than that? No, I I I, I love it. The the uh, I'm trying yeah. to fi- I'm trying to figure out how to find the money for it, frankly. Yeah, I, 
here you go. Or, you know, or if you look at lot number nine, his yeah. actual Kiddush cup, his full-size Kiddush cup. Yeah. You know, Shlomo Karlbach's Kiddush cup. Can you put a price on that? You know, it, it's it's unrealistic. But, you know, at the same time, um, Neil is, you know, um, uh, has a, a little bit of a smaller apartment. Neshama just moved. She got, you know, she's... Um, she got rid of the piano, and you know, life progresses, and you know, things get sold. This we got it. Yeah, we got to talk about the piano. Jonathan Greenstein is on our telephone line, the Cedarhurst Gallery, this coming Tuesday, with all the events that we've spoken about at Jonathan's Gallery. This one is is so unique, so incredible. Uh, this coming Tuesday, five forty-five, it begins. People have an opportunity to meet. Um, to meet uh, Neshama Kalbach, correct? They'll meet her starting right. at three yep, forty-five. Yep. It's at four seventeen Central Avenue. In Cedarhurst, the phone number five one six two nine five two nine three one. I'm assuming that this catalog is online at your website. Uh, yeah, you can click online on the website, or if um, you want to come to Yehuda Green Slichos on Saturday night, <laughs> we'll be distributing the catalogs for free on Saturday night tomorrow evening. As many people know, Yehuda Green leads Slichos at the West Side Institutional Synagogue on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. There are thousands of people there. It's a unique and incredible experience, and you would guess that it will start around when. Uh, well, officially, not Karbach time, officially, it's 12.30, uh, Rabbi Sinchan will speak for a few minutes, 12.45, Slicha starts, but everybody that's been there for the last, you know, dozen years knows that at 12.45, well, it doesn't really actually start. Usually it's a little bit closer to one in the morning. Right. Uh, you know, but uh, you got to get there early because it always sells out every year. Um, oh, it's you know, unbelievable. Yeah, if you, you really got to start getting on that line by 12 o'clock. All right, so anyone, anyone who walks into Slichas at West Side Institutional tomorrow night, they'll have a catalog. They'll be able to access a catalog. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, okay. yeah we're, we're bringing, I think, 600 catalogs, and we're leaving. You know, they're all printed. They're all free. They have all the pictures of Shlomo inside. They have a marvelous story that was written by Neila that takes up the first half of the catalog right. about Shlomo's life. Uh, and it, it's free. It's, it'll be in the, and it'll it'll be you know right in the lobby in the front. All right. Now the the piano is obviously the the item that's getting the most attention. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. First of all, will the piano be in your gallery? Yes, the piano has been in the gallery okay. since Nishama moved. Uh, you know. Secondly, right. secondly, yeah. is it the actual piano and bench? This, this is the pair of items used by Shlomo Kalbach. Yep. And uh, if you look at the catalog, it has a picture of him using this particular piano. Do we know if he actually composed songs at this piano? Um, I would have to ask Neshama that. I know he composed many songs on a piano, right. and I know this has been in it, you know, this was in his house both when he was in Manhattan, you know, uh, also in Toronto, and then back in New York. This traveled with him for almost, almost, almost 20 years. You know, it's funny, yeah. because um, mild Kalbachians... Like myself, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, never associate him with a piano. We always associate him with a guitar, of course. You know? Oh no, no, he 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 definitely played piano. He played it quite well. Um, he learned how to p play piano when he was a, uh, a rabbi in Dorothy, New Jersey, in 1956, uh, and he com he composed B'shem Hashem on a piano. Right. You know, whether he composed it on this piano, um, I, I can't guarantee. Was there any talk? Uh, because people are always curious why and and how people decide, you know, to sell family items. Was there any talk? about the possibility of auctioning off his guitar? Uh, yes and no. Wow. It was just too much. Like I said, you know, the Karlbach family wasn't really, you know, um, they, they didn't want necessarily to part with it. They right. just didn't have any room anymore. Right. You know, uh, a guitar is a lot easier to right. store. Than, they can, you know, they can keep that and hand it down to the next generation. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, you, you estimate the piano will... Uh, first of all, the piano was uh, likely purchased around what year? Like, we, Do we know how long it was in someone's home? Uh, Neela uh, purchased it for him at the time that they got married. So if you want to do your callback okay. history, right. um, I would say... They got married in what in the early seventies, mid seventies. Oh, I was thinking. I, I was I, thinking I, late. One hundred percent sure. Right. I was thinking late sixties, but who knows if I'm even right? Yeah. Um, exactly. Do you do you think, Jonathan? Yes. That this will in fact um, command I don't know a a hefty five figures in order to obtain it. No, no. Uh, the starting bid on this piece is twenty five thousand dollars. Oh, so I'm right. That is five figures. Uh, yeah, but not hefty. It's right in the beginning. Uh, so you're thinking. This, uh, so you're thinking that this auction, because yeah. again, the piano you one has to suspect is going to be the most interesting and fascinating item. You're you're thinking that this auction is going to start climbing around the twenty five thousand area, and someone might be able to obtain it for under fifty grand. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think uh, the appropriate price is somewhere between forty and fifty thousand dollars. You know, right. the bidding starts again at twenty five thousand. We have several people that have shown interest in it. Right. You know, a couple of people want to be on the phone, you know, to see, um, you know, what it goes for, if they could afford it or if they want it. I have one person that's absolutely insane about it, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Shlomo had several guitars. You got to remember that. And oh, that's also was, true, right? Yeah, right. he was constantly breaking out, know, breaking strings, leaving right. guitars here, you know, leaving right. guitars, you know, where he was in Toronto, leaving guitars here, where he was in New York. Right. The uh, the, uh, the upright wasn't uh, moving around too much. No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> he had one single piano. Right. You know, I think there were a total of seven or eight known guitars that belonged to Shlomo. Right. Uh, but you know, one single piano. That's what makes it so, you know, so unbelievably special. Now, your experience at this, and I don't know how much follow-up you do with purchasers, but I'm just curious, do you think the average person would restore it, would change it, would, would you know, get a professional tuner to tune it like, you know, and, and make it look a little bit more like the 21st century? Or is no, someone, no, no, no. Someone who wins this is going to keep it in the exact condition. Oh, yeah. And it, it's tuned, by the way, because you know, Nishamo used it in her apartment uh, you know, while she was still you know, living, uh, living there. So, right. I mean, it was recently tuned. You know, uh, before she moved. All right. Rip Shlomo Kalbach's piano, a variety of great po- photos of him. There's some great pictures you have up for uh, auction. Yeah, these are our original uh, press photos, which means they're posed photos used uh, that were taken professionally by professional photographers for newspapers that were used to promote various concerts right. over the course of the years. A lot of you great look stuff. At, you, know, you can look at some of them. They're from uh, the 19... I have to use my reading glasses at my age. In 1966, right. uh, where he still had a nice, dark beard. Right. And then, you know, um, a little bit later in the 80s when he sat with his white beard and his long hair. There's something just so holy about looking at this man. All right, the uh, Kiddush Cups, the uh, the Besamim box, the um, the Challah knife, the Maimachronim, the unbelievably beautiful sterling silver wine bottle, which is actually engraved with a Mazel Tov to Shlomo Ni'ila, and that challah cover, which I just glossed over earlier, it, it has both their names on it. I mean, obviously, this was, you know, this was done by a friend or purchased by a friend, you know, with their names yeah. on it. No, this is like an iconic 1960s, 1970s yeah. thing to do. You know, some. It, it actually stuff. looks like the challah cover that was in my home in the 60s. Like, it, it has that it has that era look, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I hope when, um, you, you know, your kids decide to sell yours that it fetches the same exact price <laughs> yeah, as think, my blessing to you now. I don't think that one's around anymore, frankly. <laughs> you know, in the 60s, I was a kid, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we, exactly. Uh, anyway, there you have it. Uh, information, go to your website, jgreenstein.com. Again, that's J-G-R-E-E-N-S-T-E-I-N.com. 
and you could be at the gallery this coming uh, Tuesday. You could meet uh, Nishama Kalbach starting at 3:45. Yeah, I would say probably closer to four. Well, obviously it's Kalbach time. I mean, Kalbach time. In, 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 in honor of Rabbi memory, she's got to be late. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. She was a, a real professional, you know, a real, real, I mean, she's machmir on time and everything like that. I'm talking about more about me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're the real Kalmachia. What can I yeah, tell you? you know, if, you know, like she said, you know, she says 3.45. She'll be there at 3.45. And it all, happens, yeah. it all happens at the Greenstein Gallery of Magnificent Judaica at 417 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. Information 516-295-2931. Look, this is really cool. This is really, you've got to tell me the results of this. Yeah, no, I will. I guess it's only 17 lots, so I mean, the whole thing is going to take all the 15 minutes, and you know, I'll, I'll call you back or I'll send you an email as you know what happened. But like I said, if anybody wants free catalogs, come to, Shla, to Yehuda's uh, Slichos Saturday night. There'll right. be hundreds and hundreds of catalogs there uh, just laying around. You know, that's, up a, grabs. that's at the West Side Institutional Synagogue. Yep. You know, if I was in town Tuesday, I'd insist that I do the auction for the piano, by the way. I would love that. I would, be, I would want to be the auctioneer just for that uh, moment. Uh, Nachum, with that voice, you should get licensed. You would do incredibly. You Mo- do all these charity events are, are, you know, already anyway as MC. Well, thank you very much there, uh, Jonathan. Appreciate that. Yeah, I could, I, we could practice a few minutes together. I have $100 in the front, 200 in the back. 300 Are you bidding five? Six, seven. Are you kidding? I'd have, her, I'd have a ringer in there buying it for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jonathan. Shabbat Shalom. Enjoy Slichus tomorrow night at the West Side Institutional Synagogue. And enjoy Tuesday. It's going to be a landmark day in the world of auctioneering. I can tell you that much. Yep, yep, yep. And Nachal, my bracha to you is you have a good bench, geshmach the year, and all your endeavors, and you know, especially when, you know when you go off terrestrial and you go on uh, online, God should always be with you. You should always have a successful show. What you do for the Jewish community is unparalleled by anybody else in Jewish music. Well, I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you so much. Shabbat Talk shalom. I love you as well. Shabbat shalom. <laughs> have a good brother. Shabbat shalom and shabbat tovah. There he is, Jonathan Greenstein. Oh boy, I'll tell you. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Who is going to purchase Shlomo Kalbach's guitar? I mean, guitar, piano. Who is going to purchase it? Unbelievable. Uh, more coming up. It's JM in the AM on this uh, Friday morning era of Shabbos. And uh, here is, believe it or not, the great, the one, the only, Herb Shlomo Kalbach. Oh, <laughs> 
Before that, Shema Koleinu, as Slichas gets into full swing tomorrow night and Sunday morning. Shema Koleinu here at the JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos. Parshas Kisavo with candle lighting at 6.31. 6.31 is candle lighting time on this era of Shabbos. Sunshine with a high temperature of 88. It's a Friday morning broadcast. Reminder that the bake sale for uh, Ormeyer Bracha takes place at the Siegel home Sunday, 2 to 8 on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Contact Stacy Siegel for information and support the amazing work of Leora Teji and uh, Ormeyer Bracha in the heart of Jerusalem. Oh, our Elul chauffeur blowing. It's a good idea. Let's do that now at JM in the AM. Malcolm Homeline's coming up. We'll do a uh, weekly update. Um, 8.15 uh, for Rabbi Yudin on Parshas Kisavo and plenty more here on a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Don't forget you can comment on anything going on during our program on the app, on the NSN app, and we encourage you to do so. Love hearing from our listeners. Um, and... Um, Oh, boy, we got a lot of nice comments. We got a lot of nice comments this morning, I must say. Um, I hope I have this... Uh, I hope I have this correct. Michael Rollhouse has posted on our app a mazel tov to Esty and Jonathan... Uh, Esty Rollhouse, Jonathan Schwab, celebrating the birth of twins born during last night's game. Not at last night's game, don't worry. But during last night's Israel-Great Britain game. So Mazal Tov, a boy and a girl born last night. Michael, Mazal Tov to you and the entire family from all of us here at the JM. Also, listener Morris is out there. He just commented on the app. Morris, great seeing you last night at the game. Uh, listener Yehuda, appreciating the rabbi's sons. He's tuned in, I bet, from Israel as he normally is. So thank you to everybody who's commenting on our app, and you can continue uh, to do so. Uh, Mazel Tov, or I should say, happy birthday going out to uh, one of the world's nicest guys, Dr. Renone Mann, 
Dr. Renown Mann of Teaneck, New Jersey, is celebrating a birthday, and we say Mazal Tov, happy birthday from all of us here at JM and the AM. And all the way in Modi'in, Israel, Aliza Sussman is celebrating a birthday, and we say happy birthday to her from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, more coming up here at JM in the AM in advance of our weekly update, which is right around the corner. Keep it right here and enjoy this from Shimon Kramer. Oh, ha, 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 ha,
a.m. in the a.m. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisavo, candle lighting at 6.31 in this Erev Shabbos. Slichus for the Ashkenazi community tomorrow night, Sunday morning. 67 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 88. Lots of talk about regarding the uh, weekly update. We'll get to it in a minute. Reminder, jewishworldreview.com has amazing articles that you can print out before Shabbos, thousands of them, and I'm not even joking, on every topic you can imagine when it comes to Israel and the Jewish world. So check out jewishworldreview.com, who continue to enthusiastically um, um, encourage their readers to head to our live stream, which, of course, is going to be the future home of JM and the AM, the Nahum Siegel Network, and we thank them for partnering with us. Uh, JewishWorldReview.com. Also, thanks to OnlySimplest.com that continues to use our content to make a difference out there and report stories, uh, many of them actually good stories. We like reporting good news and inspiring news, and uh, they do a good job at that. And I thank them, and uh, check out OnlySimplest.com and their news feed on a daily basis. You'll be glad you did. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning broadcast. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, thank you. Good to be with you. After a very hectic week. Oh, it was a hectic week, all right. Oh, you meant uh, you meant on the uh, diplomatic and political front. Uh, on every front. <laughs> every front is right. Where did you get the name for your new network? <laughs> Actually, my parents gave it to me. How do you like oh, that? Yeah, it, it was the, foresight. It was their idea just a few years ago. <laughs> very few, of course. <laughs> well, we wish you great luck and success in Mazel in it. it. I'm sure it'll be a great hit. I appreciate and, uh, that. It is the future. I appreciate it. Yeah, it is the future, and we're going to get there before anybody else. And uh, people who've been with us for a long, long time, people like Rabbi Goldwasser and Rabbi Yudin, have been enthusiastic supporters and have pushed me forward in this direction, and I thank them for that. And based on my only conversation with you about it, which happened before the announcement was made, it seems that you're also ready to come along with us and do what I'm asking all the listeners to do, which is come along for the ride. So we anticipate, I hope, many, many more weekly updates in the future. God willing. Bezrat Hashem. Um, you were in Israel for a short, very short visit this week. I know among the uh, uh, items on your itinerary were to see the uh, was to see the uh, president of Israel as he, I hope, continues to recover and get stronger after his stroke. What could you tell us about uh, Shimon Peres and your visit to him? Uh, it's true. I, I, because it was UN Week, I just uh, I flew in in the afternoon and flew out at night because I had to speak at the opening of the 50th anniversary of the celebration of uh, Jerusalem's reunification at the Jerusalem Foundation uh, kickoff. And uh, I went to see uh, the former president. He is, um, you know, it's in a very serious condition, obviously. He doesn't doesn't really open his eyes, but he did squeeze the hand of his son-in-law, who is his physician also. And... uh, uh, I met with the family for a very extensive period, and that was, uh, I thought it was a necessary and important thing to do. You know, I know that people have political differences with Mr. Perez, and uh, I've had some over the years, but we have to recognize that this is the man who built the Mona, who built the Israel's nuclear program, who got the jet, original jets from France, who built the foundations of the IDF. I mean, there's so much that uh, that he did that people forget his historic role working with Ben Gurion and um, uh, his in- immense contributions. The uh, the New York Times of all sources, and I wish I could find it now. It just it struck me and uh, jogged my memory as you're speaking about him. Had an article this week, essentially 
um, uh, you know, indicating that, uh, uh, that, you know, Shimon Peres is the, and we mentioned this last week, you know, the last of a generation, certainly the last of the people around who, uh, who bridged that gap between the founding of the state of Israel and the modern state of Israel. And, uh, in addition to, um, what you said in terms of political differences, people, we have to recognize that. We have to recognize that he had, had a role and, uh, we are eventually going to miss those who've connected us to the very beginnings of the state. Uh, you know what, I think that's uh, an important point, and, and we tend to overlook it because of subsequent uh, issues that arose and political differences that arise in Israel. Um, but, you know, the book, The, the Greatest Generation, about the, the World War II generation, right. and th- there is something missing. It is not that every generation replicates it. We produce our own leadership, but it is different. And when you look back and having that link, I mean, when I remember when the late President Navon used to come and speak, what he he was such an amazing man, uh, underappreciated, I think, certainly in the diaspora. Those who knew him in Israel appreciated him. He was a man of culture. He was a Sephardi and uh, worked with Ben Gurion as his secretary, his assistant. He used to tell us and regale us with the stories of that era, of what they did. It, it, and, the, and the members of the President's Conference who cover the spectrum would demand every year that we bring him back and bring him back, and he would speak for two hours, and it would never have enough to, to be able just to, to hear and to, to listen to, to these great uh, voices. And, you know, it's also true, you know, how many great Rabbanim, you know, when you sit with somebody who's 95, 100 years old, uh, Rav Steinman, those uh, angers and others, there's nothing comparable to it. It's an experience. It's not. It's something you can't relate. It's. It, it, and and we do miss them afterwards. And um, in addition to that, one could add those who are survivors, who are you know toward the end of their lives now at this point. And, and, and I don't know if you're going to appreciate this this tangent because it's it's so bizarre the way I'm bringing this up now, but it, it was so irritating to me. We know that. Um, there are segments, uh, and uh, you're, you're, I think you're going to be upset that I'm even acknowledging it, but I just can't hold back. There are segments of our community. Hold back. <laughs> I'm trying. There are segments of our community that were actually on the street protesting yesterday when Prime Minister Netanyahu was in the U.N. And I'm talking about it. It was disgusting, and I didn't know that was where you were going, but I, I walked through. It was disgusting, and it, it gets worse and worse. And when in their camps, they train their children, and there are videos online proving it train their children with a mock limo coming down and they give the children eggs to throw out it and they yell Benjamin Netanyahu and, and, and terrible things, say terrible things. And in the other camp, they, they uh, train them with demonstrations with flags. I mean, this is really something the community has to look at and decide how it's going to handle it. And you can, they can keep saying it's not, it's not this group, it's not that group. Look online and see the proof of it. And the demonstration yesterday, it was simply outrageous at a time when we see at the United Nations the efforts to to demean, to diminish, to denigrate, and it, and it just, they use Israel as the foil. I'm not saying they can't have differences with Israel. I think there are plenty of criticisms and legitimate ones. But you've got to think of where the venue is and wh- wh- how you give expression to that. Um, well, first of all, I'm glad I brought it up now. <laughs> but secondly, 
Um, my reference to Holocaust survivors is that often when you know people would make uh, a denigrating comments about uh, about the Zionist state, so to speak, very often they were sitting next to in their own synagogue Holocaust survivors who, of course, would have given literally you know their right arm to have had a state of Israel during the era that they thank God survived. And I think that that kept certain people in our community in check. We're going to lose those survivors very soon. I don't know if there'll be anybody to keep them in check. And I want to add one other thing, and you just said it, and I hope I could say it in a more acute fashion. There are people in our community who align themselves in many other situations, and I would, I would argue rightfully so, you know, t- to a good end very often for causes and for political positions, etc. It would be nice to see those groups and those leaders condemn those who go ahead and protest on a day like yesterday, go ahead and condemn them the way you just did on these airwaves. So if you're going to align with those groups, which is fine, and there are many prominent people, very prominent leadership who together stand for many different causes, but if you're going to stand with them on, on, you know, on certain, you know, for certain issues, it would be nice on an issue like this to come out and condemn them. Right. Yeah. Right is right. Uh, Prime Minister speaks yesterday, and, um, well, <laughs> a couple of very interesting things. First of all, I absolutely, I don't know whose idea it was, maybe his speechwriter, maybe he himself, I loved the approach that he started with. Uh, he, you know, t- speaking about, you know, turning toward the future and times changing, I loved the approach that he essentially gave a warning a directive to the United Nations that, you know, uh, you, you guys have a habit of, of condemning Israel. And we know that, you know, he said 20 resolutions against Israel during the same period of time, three resolutions against every other country on the planet combined, which was a cool statistic, I must say. Not nice to be on the receiving end of it, but an, an interesting statistic. Uh, but then he goes ahead and says, you know, now more than ever, countries are aligning with us. Now more than ever, people are, are understanding that they, as world leaders, have to, uh, you know, rely on Israel for so many different things, and it, it's time for you guys to come around. You know, you can yell and scream at us as much as you want in this building, but we're getting to the point where you're going to be applauding us very soon. I love that approach. What did you think? Uh, I think the positive approach is very effective. Uh, as you know, he also extended an invitation to Abbas to come and address the Knesset. And right. said he would accept one to speak to the PA Legislative Council. In Ramallah. And Abbas's response, of course, was uh, quite to the contrary. He condemned Later on, the Balfour Declaration, he called on Britain to recognize the Palestinian state as the least that he could do to make up for it. I mean, his essentially was a, a, a negative message. Uh, and you know that Netanyahu yesterday afternoon held a session with uh, African leaders, and then there's an exhibition, and they, uh, there was a program at the United Nations where um, high-tech companies presented with uh, technology specifically geared to Africa, Asia, and others. And many ambassadors, leaders came to see it and to hear uh, the prime minister spoke at it. Um, but the truth is that the isolation, and, and I saw it this week in our many meetings, including with key uh, leaders of Arab countries, uh, many of them do, that do not have, or most don't have diplomatic relations with Israel, but you know, meet with us and know the relationship that obviously that we have with Israel, there is a different attitude. There is a changing climate uh, driven in part by Iran, driven in part by the absence of the West, driven in part by the uh, nuclear agreement and the concerns about the uh, aftermath uh, of that. Um, 
It doesn't mean that the Arab states are going to uh, stop their uh, the votes and the automatic majority is not going to disappear. And many African leaders with whom we meet, we raise it with them. They don't even know how their ambassadors vote or on what issue. Our particular emphasis was on the UNESCO resolution, and right. you know, there's another meeting scheduled. Where and the are. Human Rights but Council. The, you know, the United Nations Educational Social Council, uh, where they ha- have deleted the traditional names of all of our holy sites, the Wall, Western Wall, the Kotel, the, the, the uh, Keber Rachel, Marat Machpela, the Cave of the Patriarchs, all of these names are now known by them only by their Muslim names. And uh, But where we do see the manifestation is that this year the Arab states are not going to submit a resolution against Israel at the International Atomic Energy Agency. And this is the first time, I think, in three years that that is uh, the case. And, you know, they haven't been able to get these resolutions through for the last few years. But this year, they they are, are not even uh, trying. So that is a, 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 there are positive signs that we should not uh, overlook. And whether driven by interests, common interests, or common fears, uh, we hope that this is something that we don't take for granted. Yeah. We'll I, continue. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like you're skeptical about his 10-year vision, but... Meaning that you know they would actually have you know they would be applauding Israel and voting for them ten years from now. But but nonetheless, I, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure how it works. And you know diplomacy so much better. And you met yesterday with with leaders that you know you had to conduct some type of negotiations with. Um, I mean, is it unreasonable to think that if Israel is in fact going to be helping all these countries in Africa, Latin America, other places, especially the poor ones? that they couldn't use the leverage to essentially say to these countries' leaders, you know, we're here for you, and we will do whatever you need and, and you know, and, and provide the services that, you know, that are essential to saving your country, especially as in relation to water, etc. But we need your support at the U.N. We need you to, you know, to reciprocate. Is that unreasonable to think that that could be, you know, part of a negotiation? No, it's not unreasonable at all. And it is, in fact, an issue we raise in even if we're not negotiators, but we're discussants with the, these heads of state. And the fact that they take the time, uh, I met the president of Turkey, the president of Egypt, and uh, many others, and those meetings last an hour and a half. So you cover a lot. And we, we of course, raise this and talk about translating the, the changes into action on the ground. And that means cooperation, whether against terrorism or an economic fronts. And Israel has so much to offer, and, and it's why we push to see Eastern Mediterranean Initiative, and we spoke to, to many leaders in the region about it, and they are, are looking to it because they see water reclamation is such a big issue yeah. I mean, that Israel became uh, water independent and, and energy independent and has so much technology to offer, which is specifically of value to, to African, Asian, and other countries. Uh, even for Europe and, and uh, the, the uh, more developed uh, countries. So the, the opportunities are great, and it, it really puts the lie to the charges and the threats of isolation of Israel. It doesn't mean bad things can't happen. It doesn't mean that Israel still isn't boycotted and you still have the resolutions in, uh, in, in independent individual states like in Spain and elsewhere that support BDS. Mm-hmm. But but we're seeing the counter voice now getting more and more currency. The one thing they say is, you got to resolve this Palestinian issue. I mean, they dismiss almost dismissively, but say it's an annoyance. It's a it's uh, an obstacle, and uh, urging that they do something. But when they then you hear 
Iran displaying a new long-range missile, which they put on in their annual military parade this week, the Zolfakar, uh, Pakar, uh, which has a, a reigning warhead. It's too technical, but it, it's an advance, another advance in their capacity, and the uh, and the continued uh, aggressive attitude of the Iranians, particularly against Saudi Arabia and against their the Sunni countries. Um, but the the um, you know these things also motivate the leaders to say, look, we have one ally there. There's one country with whom we can ally, who may really act to protect us against Iran. That's their fear, and they think the West will not. Um, I mean, essentially, that's the article I read this morning about the uh, Russian attitude toward Israel. They feel that the only way that they're going to uh, stem the tide of radical Islam is with Israel as an ally, and a serious ally. People don't, don't understand the threat to Russia. I've talked about it here for a long time, and uh, that that the Russians have a huge restive Muslim population, Chechnya, the other, the stands, uh, but more importantly in their own military, a very significant part, perhaps even a third by the end of this, of their military officers will be Muslims by the end of this uh, decade. So, and, and in 1998, when he was head of the KGB, I met with Putin uh, to talk about transfer of technology to Iran, and he went off like a rocket on this issue. I mean, he got it, and he talked about the threat every day to Israel and to Russia uh, as examples. But today, that it, it is everywhere. Right. Look at the developments in Libya now. Uh, I mean, every place where you thought things would settle down, Afghanistan and Yemen pointed to as great foreign policy successes are today disasters. And, and all these people exporting terrorists, even though... Uh, um, ISIS is recruiting far less people, and because they're losing territory, they're exporting a lot of their their terrorists. But these guys are coming back to Europe. They're coming back to the United States. They're going to come back to the countries where they came from and from where they have passports. Yeah. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, org, and, of course, on the NSN app. I like the fact that he didn't bring up Iran in the speech until minute number 34, until way, way into it. I thought that because the U.N. speeches had focused on Iran so much, it was great that he was able to uh, you know, mention so many other things and a lot more positive angles before getting to it. I don't know if that, you know, if that's a big deal or not. In fact, I was wondering as as uh, you know, it passed the half hour mark if he was going to ignore Iran completely in yesterday's speech. So, well, I think he wanted to take the emphasis, shift the emphasis uh, onto the other messages, which you rightly um, picked up. And you don't have to convince most of the countries today about the danger that Iran poses. You have to convince them that they have to act against it. And the fact that that the money was was given, the fact that that uh, we're seeing more the, the approval this week. Uh, for them to be able to buy the planes from Boeing and to lease additional planes. You're talking about hundreds of planes in total between Airbus and Boeing, etc., going to Iran Air, which uh, I think in 2011 was already named as, as being involved in, in uh, and, and was sanctioned because they were involved in transporting weapons, etc. This is not, you know, uh, Delta Airlines or American Airlines that serve only civilian populations. They may serve... Uh, as a domestic airline for Iran, but they also serve to fly their troops and to fly their weapons to to Syria and elsewhere. So the 
the permission and and how it'll affect the funding. We have to see whether it, it in fact will encourage uh, or allow uh, others to come in because the banks and other and and the financial institutions are still wary of doing business in Iran as they should be right. because of the money laundering, because of the threat of sanctions being renewed, because of the behavior of uh, of Iran that com- that they're they're very reluctant to provide funding, especially for. A huge deal like this. All right, you got to help me now with um, uh, what seems to be this audience's favorite topic every time it comes up, at least based on the reaction that I get uh, over the last eight years. Uh, it was the 17th face-to-face meeting between Barack Obama and uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, noon on Wednesday this week. And I don't know if you saw this, but the, one of the writers in the Jerusalem Post had an analysis of the previous 16 meetings, and they, ha- they actually have given nicknames to some of these encounters with the, with the two. You got, you listen to this, Malcolm. You got the ambush, the snub, the lecture, the icebreaker, and the the non-meeting, and then finally the reconciliation of sorts. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing uh, the way this thing has gone down over the last eight years. Can you give us any details about the encounter this week? Well, it is probably the final meeting between them, and uh, I think that the, the public, uh, the effort, the public effort to put a good face on it and to uh, counter the uh, images of, of late, and it certainly comes in the aftermath of the signing of the Memorandum of Understanding, uh, which is coming under increasing attack, especially in the Congress, where we have many resolutions, including. Um, that Israel should not be bound by a, a limitation or Congress can act to increase the amount of money should they deem it uh, appropriate for Iron Dome and uh, other things. And uh, 88 senators, by the way, urging President Obama to veto any kind of one-sided anti-Israel resolution uh, as in the past because of the concerns that that uh, will not be the case. But uh, it's, it is important Look, we know the tension some of the, will remain, and, and we're not over. This is not the last word on the Middle East, I think, from the president. I think we will still hear more uh, on the Arab-Israeli issues or Palestinian-Israeli. Um, but, uh, you know, time is, is advancing until after the election. I, I doubt that we'll see anything uh, very serious. And then it could take many, uh, many forms. But, again, sending the message to the region, to Israel's enemies, and to Israel's potential friends, that the United States and Israel stand together despite any differences. They got this immense $38 billion package, um, uh, despite reservations that we may have or, or, or uh, the nature of the negotiations or restrictions that were included in it. These things send a very important message, just as a negative encounter right. sends a very bad message, and that is exploited then uh, by the enemies of both countries. And certainly the, for the Arab countries, they measure the degree to which they can have right. confidence by the strength of the U.S.-Israel relationship, something I've shared with right. presidents for many years. <clears throat> because they look at it and say, look how important the Jews are, look how much they, you know, they control. They, they believe their own propaganda. And they're saying if, they don't, if Israel can't, doesn't get a fair shake in the administration, what what possible chance do we have? Well, if Bibi does remain prime minister for a while, and I can't imagine that they would call for elections before at least a year from now, uh, I would assume you would suspect that he will have a much different relationship with either of the two major presidential candidates. In other words, this whole soap opera that we've seen between the president and the prime minister is is likely not to be replicated, correct? 
it's certainly different. Every president brings their own mark. It depends on the people around. Depends on the issues. Depends what comes up. Uh, but uh, yes, it will certainly be different. And but remember that the, the on the military side, which operates more independently, and on intelligence, the joint. Uh, I try to highlight sometimes the the uh, joint exercises, which are are huge. Um, and they're, and they're done because they're in America's interest as much as they are in Israel's interest. They share technology, share experience, and unfortunately, Israel's troops have been battle tested in many places and yeah. their equipment uh, tested in actual battle situations. That 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 relationship has remained strong throughout. Uh, you know, I pointed this out yesterday, and you know, you know that I obsess over these speeches when he gives them uh, here in the United States. So just oh, bear, yes. yeah, so just no, yeah, you you knew exactly where I was heading today, <laughs> that's for sure. But I, I just I, when he when he when he spoke about the Israel's biggest export in the '40s being oranges, and today it's technology. I sort of felt he was saying to the world, you know, we used to be uh, we used to be weak farmers, you know innocent weak farmers and now we are basically a cyber power that can you know that, that's in your best interest to um you know to side with and i'm saying to myself and i i know the point will not be lost on you but i would hope that everybody out there gets it could you imagine could you imagine if you know our grandparents saw this where israel is in a position like this in a situation like this and it's not always to see it when you're in it it's not always to see the the uh, you know how incredible uh, history is when you're living it but you know all these short years later we have, in fact, seen Israel gone from, you know, a bunch of farmers to, you know, a technology uh, boom in so many different ways, and certainly a military boom. Um, I, I agree. I miss the oranges. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that wasn't your point. No, uh, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's the, just but unbelievable when you what, think about it. They would have been shocked that, is, that Israel and the Jews are under attack, not because they're weak, but because they're seen as too strong. Right. And to, to defending themselves and taking the actions against people who seek to kill them, you know, I think the world would just like there to be open season that, Israel, that terrorists in, in Israel attacking Jews, innocent people, and they shoot them and then they, they condemn them. When it, these are clear cases of, of attack, and, and when there aren't, when they aren't, Israel acts more than I think any other country would against its own soldiers and, and, and taking the steps to make sure that the standards are met. But you don't hear one mention in the United Nations about the Israelis who run every day to save Syrians, who risk their lives crossing the border. You know, there are 500 Israelis who volunteer in an organization, which I just learned about, to take Palestinians who need cancer treatment or other very serious treatment at Israeli hospitals, that they take them, they go to the border, and it's an organization, people volunteer, it's done for free, to take Palestinians from the territories to the hospitals and back in Israel. And at the same time, it was revealed that the Palestinian officials make money charge um, and they take bribes to senior Palestinian officials for them to get the permits to go to, to uh, get treatment. Huh. And senior PA and Hamas officials, they get permits to travel to Israel, and they go under the pretext of medical emergencies. Um, but those who can't afford to pay the bribes can wait years before getting such permits. How about that contrast to people and telling and, and the world seeing that? Unbelievable! I, I was not aware of that. It's just unbelievable. And by the way, one other thing about the presentation, uh, he had the uh, he had the description of the incitement that an Arab uh, a kid will grow up with on so many different fronts: family, friends, teachers, uh, religious leaders, internet, social media in general. I mean, uh, to a degree, 
And he called it child abuse, by the way, which I thought was a pretty strong term to use in this case. Uh, to a degree, we have to keep in mind what they are growing up with and what they are being taught on a daily basis. Because the incitement, as you point out a million times, ends up being that, look what happened. You know, we had, we had these um, attacks last weekend in New York, New Jersey, uh, something we really should talk about. Uh, it, 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 every, all, all, the, all the friends, neighbors, and family, including immediate family, uh, are talking about is the incitement, is, is the change in this person ever since they went ahead and uh, started following a certain religious leader. Absolutely, and it is abuse. It is abuse of children. Innocent children are being tossed into war situation. Innocent children, are, their minds are being poisoned. They, they are, are being taught uh, that to die is, is the highest value for, and to kill even more. And, and you know, when we, last week we mentioned on the air, and, and uh, we met uh, as I told you, with European other leaders, and we raised with them about their giving money to the PA, Palestinian Authority, which pays the terrorists and rewards them. And the more they kill, the more they get. And that they wouldn't tolerate this in any other circumstance. And they look at me, you know, blindly and said, really, we give money? <laughs> they don't even know or appear not to know. And in some cases, they actually have started to act against it. But the the you know the PA's level of incitement has nothing to do with all of the political issues, and they say these are the stumbling blocks. This is the stumbling block. You train kids to hate. You're never going to have peace, yeah. and you can't you know undo that in a week, in a year. It, it, it takes a long time to overcome that kind of, of animosity and 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 hatred. Yeah. By the way, I'm sure you had this also from your friends and relatives in Israel. Get out of New York and New Jersey. It's much safer here in Israel, <laughs> right? Well, I think you should, that should be true now because, well, it is safe in Israel, and people should go, and they certainly should uh, be taking advantage of the opportunity now when this is the lower season after the Chagim to go to Israel and uh, enjoy it. Uh, so much too. Maybe you'll even be able to come and see Abbas speak at the Knesset. Yeah. But have you seen the new discoveries that people are looking before the Yom Tovim at the amazing discoveries, but one that is really unique about the this uh, carving that they found of a menorah with seven branches and a three-leg base that was carved on a stone in in a block, a stone block in the wall of a 1,400-year-old Byzantine church in Abila, Jordan. And it's the first evidence of a Jewish presence in this, what was then a Hellenistic city, uh, which is near the border of Syria, not far from Israel. And this, this tripod base is, is, was common in the 4th, 5th, and 6th centuries. Um, but, and again, it, it goes to the question of the nature of the base in the temple, etc. But this was originally, we believe, in a synagogue there. And there was a Jewish community, and then either when the synagogue was destroyed, it was they used this block in the church. But the menorah is clearly visible. And, uh, again, so many reminders that, and this the, the mosaic that they found that they now confirm shows this picture from a 5th century synagogue of Alexander the Great meeting some leader of the Jewish people, the Jewish community, whether it's Moses, some said, or whether it's somebody else. But, I mean, it, it, the discoveries just every single day, they found a, a weight with the name of a kind of family who's mentioned in the Gemara, not in a necessarily positive way, but the name itself is mentioned in the Gemara, and they found a weight in, the, in an excavation 
you know, the, that was used when people bought stuff, you had to wait, but it had their name on it and the uh, and a design. So it's it should be so mind-boggling to people, so exciting to these discoveries, which is the, certainly the most uh, concrete proof of of our place in Israel. And the state is not even 70 years old yet. Just and our history is 3,000 years plus, and and you know this is this year is full of anniversaries, 100 years of um, Balfour, of Balfour, 70 years of the partition, you know, 25 years of Zionism, racism. There's so many 50 uh, commemorations and 50th anniversary of the Six Day War, and people should remember the unity that the Six Day War brought. The spirit. Everybody was old enough who knows that it was such a unique time. We have to replicate that now, and not because there's a war, but as you said, because of some of the good stuff that that is going on, and we see that Iran is not letting up on on any of its uh, uh, its activities and its its incitement and the um, export of weapons and uh, the situation in Syria should should put everybody on notice that here you can have a whole international community involved and they can't come to an agreement of a, a ceasefire that lasts forty eight hours. So true. All right, we will continue next week. Plenty to talk about next week. Malcolm will certainly address us before Rosh Hashanah and give us the message for 5777. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Candle lighting at 631 on this Arab Shabbos. 631, your candle lighting time. Slichus begins tomorrow night, early Sunday morning, for the Ashkenazic community. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisavo. According to the Chinuch, there are six mitzvos in this parsha, three positive and three restrictions. Also worth noting, according to the Chinuch, we are at mitzvah 611 with the final two to come in parshas Vayelech. I'd like to first begin by mentioning that this Motzoe Shabbos we begin in the Ashkenazic community throughout the world the recitation of Slichos. And I think it's very interesting, first of all, to note why. Why we begin a Slichos on a Motzoe Shabbos on a Saturday night. Not only because to remember every year, easy to remember that we start on a Saturday night, but I think that there's something about Shabbos that Shabbos enables us to reflect and to put us in a proper mood to begin the recitation of Slichos because after all, I know I personally and I have to believe that many as well might find it a little, challenge, a little challenging to snap a finger and say, okay, let's begin the recitation of Slichos. Because after all, it's very challenging to change one's ways, which is at the core and essence of the recitation of Slichos, as we'll see in a moment. 
and therefore what one can perhaps say is that if one looks at the essence of Shabbos and one looks at the prayer Mizmor Shir Liom HaShabbos the psalm that we say on Friday night the psalm that we say Shabbos morning the psalm which is the uh, Yom for Shabbos one would imagine that this paragraph would deal with the laws of Shabbos the, the halachos of Shabbos the resting on Shabbos nothing doing what do we find? you do have in this paragraph of Tehillim, Tehillim 92, you find that we have the ability to put things in the right perspective. And that is, we look at the world and we don't understand it. That Bifroach Rishoyim Kmo Esev, literally, the wicked flourish like grass. And all the doers of evil blossom but it's only that they will be destroyed. They have momentary success in this world. They're going to be destroyed literally for all eternity. And the idea that we say further in this paragraph, that a righteous man is like a date palm. He will flourish. And so the idea of putting things in the right perspective, which too often during the week we just can't do, but on Shabbos without Neshama Yaseira we can, hence to go into the Motsoi Shabbos and continue just that, putting things in the quote-unquote right perspective. Now interestingly, we always start on a Motsoi Shabbos, but you need minimally four days before Rosh Hashanah in order to say Slichos. So when Rosh Hashanah is on a Thursday, we begin the previous Motsoei Shabbos. However, as this year, when Rosh Hashanah is on a Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, then we begin saying Slichos this Motsoei Shabbos, which is a week before, and the reason for having minimally four days before uh, Rosh Hashanah is based on a very interesting concept, and that is Bikur Mum. In the Beis Hamikdash, before an animal was brought as an offering, it needed to be inspected, and we find in the twelfth chapter of Shmos that regarding the Karban Pesach it was designated on the 10th of the month of Nisan it was offered on the 14th and it was as the Torah prescribes it was to be as a Mishmeres, it was to be literally guarded at Arba'asar for four days and looking for a mum make a blemish assuring that the animal did not contain a blemish. Now, I'll be honored if you take out a chumash, bring it to the table, and you're going to notice something very interesting. When you turn to Parshas Pinchas, where we have the Korban Musaf for each of the holidays, so starting with the holiday of Pesach, which is at Shishi in 
Pinchas chapter 28 verse 16 you find in verse 19 the Torah uses the word you are to bring the following korban, the following offering the word is used and again in Shavuos we find in verse 27 we go to Yom Kippur in chapter 29 Pasuk 8 and the Torah uses the word Vikraftem. And you go to Sukkot, and again the same word is used. So four out of the five holidays uses the Torah, the word Vikraftem. However, regarding Rosh Hashanah, at the beginning of chapter 29, it's Pasuk 2, the Torah doesn't use the word Vikraftem, the Torah uses the word Vaasisem. Literally, you shall make. Now, you can't make an offering. However, the rabbis understand that we should make ourselves like the offering. And therefore, just as an offering requires an inspection, minimally four days, so too each and every year we recite slichos minimally four days before Rosh Hashanah. Now, what is the essence of slichos? So the essence of slichos, the Talmud tells us, based upon the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, 17b, that Rabbi Yochanan said, were it not for the fact that this is almost explicit in the text. We couldn't say this on our own. But God showed Moshe. And he said to him, that when the Jewish people are going to be in trouble, as indeed they were, when we committed the sin of the golden calf, God says to Moshe, that they are, They are to perform literally this service. What is this service? It's the recitation of the Yud Gimumidos, the 13 attributes of Hashem's mercy. And this is found in Kisisa, chapter 34, Pasuk 7, 6 and 7, whereby you have Hashem Hashem, Kilrachum Vachanun. And the idea is very important, says the Alshach in his commentary on Tilim Kuf Gimel 103. The Alshech says, note, it doesn't say that God said to Moshe that the Jewish people are to recite before me, because indeed, my friends, there is no abracadabra in Jewish life. There's no formula that as long as we just say the formula, we're in. Everything is good. No. What it means is that we have to perform these 13 attributes. Meaning that Hashem, Hashem, Kilrachum Vachanon, that we say that God is kind, merciful, truthful, slow to anger. What this is saying is that we are to accept upon ourselves and indeed. Let's tie Slichos in with this week's parsha. 
The last of the mitzvahs of this week's parasha, mitzvah 611, according to the Chinuch, is the mitzvah of the Holachto Bidrachov, that we are to emulate God's way, literally, as He, so we. As He is kind and merciful, so are we to be. Now, this concept is so important that I really believe that what we're saying at Slichos is as follows. Hashem, please don't judge me by the way I am right now. Because if you judge me by the way I am right now, unfortunately, we are all deficient. But rather, Hashem, I want you to see how sincere I am in my remorse, and more than that, how sincere I am in accepting that I will emulate you, and that I am going to change, and I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a better person man to man. I'm going to be a more diligent person man to God. And therefore, don't judge me by the way I am now, but judge me on the potential that I can and will be and only you know what the true potential of man is and only you know the future and so when a person stands a criminal before the judge and he truly has remorse and he promises the judge I won't do it again the judge doesn't know if it will happen or not but Hashem does know and if you take upon yourself resolves which is the essence of slichos and you really mean it then Hashem could and should and will judge us differently based upon the sincerity of our recitation slash acceptance of slichos and that's a very very important understanding of this concept of slichos Rav Herschel Schechter in his first book regarding Rav Salavechuk of his writings and teachings entitled Nefesh Harav has a wonderful chapter regarding how Rav Salavechuk Zichronel of Racha understood the Halachta Bidrachov this 611th mitzvah of emulating God's ways. And one of the two very interesting insights of the Rav was as follows. There is a very challenging medrash found in Bereshis Rabbah at the beginning of the Torah on the Pasuk Vahiere Vahivoker Yom Echad. And it was evening and it was day, one day. Evening and morning, one day. What's this and it was? So the Medrash says that this world, as we know it, is not the first world that Hashem created. But rather, Hashem was Bore Olamos Umachrivan. Hashem created other worlds and He destroyed them. Now, it's understandable that Thomas Edison, Lahabdol, Elef Abdolos, had to go through trial and error 850 some odd times until he got the light bulb to work. But Hashem doesn't need trial and error. Why does Hashem create worlds and destroy them? And Rav Salvechik said brilliantly that not only does Hashem create, but Hashem recreates. Now, what does that mean? It means that there are times when many people face challenges in their life, personal challenges, a divorce, God forbid the loss of a spouse, severe losses in business, health issues, that people sometimes feel that's it. 
they cannot continue, they cannot pick up the pieces, they are miyayesh. And the Rav said, we learn from the fact that Hashem did not just create, but He recreated, is that Hashem built into this world the capacity of man to be the halach tobedrachav. We too can emulate Hashem. And we too can not only create, but constantly recreate. And so, as we are about to go into Slichos again, to conclude this year, to begin the next year, this thought of man's ability to recreate has to be paramount and so exciting for each and every one of us. And in addition, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. God is one, yes, that's certainly one way to understand it, but it also means Hashem is unique. And therefore, each person as well should understand that they are unique and that they were given various traits. They were given various attributes that are only you. And therefore, each person is to try to actualize and to be themselves. Of course, we have to observe all the mitzvot. However, the Gemara in Shabbos that Kuf Yud Ches tells us that different Amoroyim different great leaders in the Talmud said that they felt a reward was coming from me because one said I was very careful said Rav Nachman in my Shalosh Su'udos the three meals on Shabbos and the next one said it was coming to me because said Rav Yehuda I was very careful in my davening and the next one said that I was careful not to be disrespectful and didn't walk without a head covering for even four cubits, six feet. And so they, where the next one said the mitzvah to fill in the mitzvah tzitzis, of course they did all the mitzvahs, but their natural character had them gravitate towards a particular mitzvah, and we too. We have to strive to do them all, but try to focus what is that mitzvah that is uniquely you and try to give that all the more let's remember Hashem is unique each and every one of us have that gift as well let's take it let's use it let's not just recite the Yud Gimel Midos let's please God actualize them ensuring for each and every one of us please God for the forthcoming year Shabbat Shalom to all.
Pretty amazing, huh? Eitan Katz. Yeravna on this Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting at 6.31. Slichus begins uh, Sunday morning, as you heard Rabbi Yudin mention. Benjamin Siegel is here Monday morning. I am off for a couple of days. And Benjamin Siegel sits in Monday morning, which I know is a uh, is going to bring a big smile to a lot of faces. <laughs> Treat him well. I'm sure you will. Uh, Debbie Oratz is with us live via telephone. Renewal has a community-wide event going on this weekend. A kidney donation awareness event. And um, uh, this is happening at... Uh, this is happening at the Elmora Avenue Shul, 330 Elmora Avenue in Elizabeth, tomorrow night beginning at 9 p.m. Debbie Oratz, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so, so much. I am so honored to be here. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I, I, we only have a couple of minutes, but we got to at least inform the audience in some comprehensive fashion what renewal is all about. I, knew, I know they do amazing work, and they're in touch with us constantly about the different things that they are doing. Explain to the audience, if you can, uh, what the organization Renewal is all about. Um, well, it's trying to find kidneys for uh, people who are in need of kidneys, and um, they are a tremendous resource. And I have a niece. It's uh, hitting home personally. I have a niece who's 34 years old, and she's looking for a kidney. And so you turn to Renewal, and uh, Rabbi Josh Sturm is an amazing outreach person. And um, I made a bunch of phone calls in the city of Elizabeth. I want to give Elizabeth a good name. Um, I call, you know, the JEC all the shuls, even Congregation in Springfield, the Jewish Family Service, and the Y of Union County. I called them all up and said, can you help me find a kidney for my niece? And we'll have this awareness event. And they all just, uh, it was an outpouring of uh, sponsorship, and they're all bringing all their people together. And uh, we're going to have this amazing all you want to know about kidney donation. Kidney donation awareness event happens tomorrow night starting at 9 p.m. at the Elmora Avenue Shul on Elmora Avenue in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Starts at 9 with her by Josh Sturm. As Debbie mentioned, a halachic analysis of living kidney donation. Then Dr. Tamar Green, a kidney donor, you will hear her inspiring story. And then everything you wanted to know about kidney donation but were afraid to ask. And as uh, Debbie mentioned, all the local services, synagogues, and schools are uh, sponsors of the event. Renewal, literally, in the 10 years that they exist, uh, have uh, matched up, have found, have discovered, have uh, been able to um, uh, to find for people a, a kidney donation, a kidney donor. And uh, that is no small thing, and it's amazing how they do this. Anything else we need to know about tomorrow night, Debbie? Um. I'm sponsoring light refreshments. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. So they'll... Cookies and some soda, and it's all about um, networking. You know, we're not, we don't want you to come if you don't want to give a kidney. That's not what you need to come for. You need to come to just be informed about what it means to give a kidney. It's really a life-saving thing. Um, you know, this is starting sleep host. Uh, it's amazing when you put out the word to just people and say, I'm looking for a kidney, how many hidden sadiqing we have in our communities, in the, in the Jewish community, where, oh, yeah, I gave a kidney 
or I know someone who donated a kidney. You, ha you have met you have you have met people. You have met m numerous people who have actually already donated kidneys. Yes, yes, or who were looking for kidneys and found kidneys just by word of mouth. So wow. it's uh, like a pay it forward thing. We want you to come, even if you don't want to or you can't donate. It's fine because you might know your sphere of people might know someone who would want to do that. I just heard on the news this morning. Did you hear someone was riding in a subway and it's a casual person they always see every day? And he said, how you doing? And he said, well, not so well. I need a kidney. And the guy said, well, let me know more about it. Maybe I can give you mine. You know, it's just you got to be out there. That's why I'm so honored that I could be on the new, on the radio to just uh, tell people. Everybody, every place I go, I tell people I'm looking for a kidney. Oh, I know somebody who... And that's how I got to Rabbi Josh Sturm, who's been amazing support. And, uh, you know, if anybody else in another community is looking for somebody who needs a kidney, just do what I did. You don't need to be a, a volunteer. You don't need to be a paid person. You just go and do it. And there's just a whole network of people out there, and it's just been overwhelmingly amazing. Uh, incredible the work Renewal is doing. Tomorrow night it starts at 9, Elmora Avenue, Shul, 3.30 Elmora Avenue, and Elizabeth Debbie Oretz. Thank you for joining us. Good luck tomorrow night. Thank you so much. More coming up. It's 14 minutes before 9 o'clock here at JM in the AM as we continue with Shalshelis Jr.
J.M. in the A.M., nine minutes before nine o'clock, Friday morning. Don't forget amazing programming on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Plus, don't forget that you can hear, actually, you could see uh, the entire production of uh, Naomi Nachman and Table for Two uh, on our website. Go to nachomsegel.com. If you scroll down to the videos, you will see on the uh, homepage of the website today's show. And... Uh, Wow, according to one of our app uh, commenters, commentators, Renewal that we just spoke about has facilitated over 350 donations of kidneys. Wow, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of lives saved. Call it Kavod. Um, the, um, right, so amazing programming all day long on our stream at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Naomi Nachman is coming up next with Table for Two. The video is up at nachomsegel.com. And today, uh, Naomi's guests include uh, Fagy Sprecher from The Kitchen Click and renowned chef and entrepreneur Jamie Geller. They're both going to be in the studio. You can see the video. You can hear the whole thing between 9 and 10 o'clock. At 10 a.m., our friends at Kedem bring you the incredible Arab Shabbos music mix. It is an incredible Arab Shabbos music mix. Get used to it, by the way, because once you are listening on a regular basis to our app, or on the stream, or on your web radio, or on your iPad, or on the listen line. <laughs> Once you're doing that, you may as well stick with it all day long and just have the great Arab Shabbos music in the background, courtesy of our friends at Kedem. So check that out, the Arab Shabbos music mix. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night, featuring Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler in the Torah portion. Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson at 10 p.m., 11 p.m., uh, David Lichtenstein with headlines, all happening tomorrow night. And, of course, Matis with J.M. Sunday on Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, always a great live edition. And uh, Benjamin Siegel is scheduled for Monday morning here at this great radio broadcast. So treat him well, as we like to say. 
and enjoy his uh, his visit here on uh, on um, Monday morning. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention the um, I, we had we had said this. Uh, when Ding was here the other day with the big day of nostalgia, uh, Uncle Maishi's in concert with Cousin Nachum at the Riverdale Jewish Center. That's happening this Sunday at 11 a.m. Uh, at the Riverdale Jewish Center on uh, Independence Avenue. You can go to jewishtickets.com. It's uh, sponsored by Riverdale Jewish Center and the Young Israel of Riverdale. You can go to jewishtickets.com and they'll literally uh, choose your seats there at um, at the site. And... Um, and that is uh, that's the way you can uh, go ahead and take care of uh, getting the tickets that you need for Sunday. I want to thank Jonathan Greenstein who joined us earlier. He uh, he is having an auction at his auction house is coming Tuesday, uh, a magnificent Judaica auction featuring the great Reb Shlomo Kalbach items from the home of Reb Shlomo Kalbach at the Cedarhurst Gallery on Central Avenue in Cedarhurst is coming Tuesday. If you see the catalog, by the way, it's an amazing, amazing article written by Neshama Kalbach about her father. And the items are really cool. The the item, of course, that everyone's talking about is the piano, or Shlomo's piano, uh, which is expected to get close to $50,000. Uh, uh, if you have interest in any of the items, or if you want to check it out, you can go to jgreenstein.com or 516-295-2931, 516-295-2931. The whole thing is pretty cool, frankly. Time to say good job is candlelighting at 631. Here's Journeys at JM in the AM. There's no 
Achenu Yisrael and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Special thank you to our friends at Traveler's Choice, Yossi and Devora and the entire staff at Traveler's Choice in New York for all their help this week. It is always much appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, Naomi Nachman is next with a couple of very special guests, Fagi Sprecher of the Kitchen Click and Jamie Geller are both her guests coming up next on jmnam.org. And, of course, you can watch the whole thing at NachumSiegel.com on the video screen. And uh, then the entire day, a Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix, which is pretty amazing, I must say. Make sure to have it on all day long. And then uh, Saturday night, an incredible lineup, starting with Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami. And then Sunday morning, an incredible lineup, starting with Matis and JM Sunday at 7 a.m. Monday, Binyamin Siegel is behind this microphone. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.